Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Isn't it just a rotten look that with St. Patrick's Day tomorrow and so many St. Patrick's Days have been washouts, cold, wet, windy, you name it, tomorrow and today, glorious weather forecast for tomorrow. It'll be a day to get the old barbecue out and Maybe sit out the back garden if you have furniture and do a bit of whatever. But please, as they're saying, do not be doing that stupid tomorrow. Let us not be here Thursday hearing about huge parties and big gangs of people out drinking in on greens and around the lock. Please, let's not. Let, don't make me dread Thursday even before we start into Tuesday. Uh, it's too dangerous. We'll come back to that. Good morning, 1850-715-996. The number to call, the text or WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Couple of funny things going around at the moment with the day that's in it, with the weekend, or the week that's in it. There's a fabulous hashtag on Twitter, uh, growing up in Ireland, with pictures of things we all remember from our youth growing up in Ireland. It's very, very funny. And then there's a piece... In the Irish Independent, 20 telltale signs that say you know you're Irish. I want your uh, things this morning as well. We're going to get in in the act. 083 396 96 Something that is just like a badge about who we are. Something that is purely Irish. Nobody else in the world would do it. Nobody else in the world would think of it. Nobody else in the world would tolerate it. Nobody else in the world would understand it. People look at it and it goes, look at those crazy Irish. But it's who and what we are. Something simple. Something simple. Like, it could be a bit like tomorrow, right? 15, 16 degrees. Out will come the shorts. Off will come the shorts. And there'll be fellas bammed out on sun loungers tomorrow at 16 degrees. That's being Irish. You know, many, 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 many other things. So if you have any ideas, and I'll, I'll go through some of the ones in the Independent as well uh, during the morning. 1850-715-996. But I want to start with the ongoing situation with regard to AstraZeneca. Because when we were talking here yesterday morning to Professor Elizabeth Brint, immunologist at UCC, and she said to us, there's absolutely nothing to worry about. It'll all be just fine once we check a few things, the license will be 
maintained. There won't be a problem. We'll be back to using AstraZeneca in the fullness of time. Could be a couple of days, could be a couple of weeks at the outset. But Dr. Prince said nothing to worry about. Also, I had another man from uh, Oxford University on yesterday, Mr. Uh, Dr. Uh, oh, his name's gone out of my head, but you know what I mean. He said, no, nothing to worry about. Luke O'Neill insisting again yesterday, nothing to worry about. What's In fact, Luke O'Neill's saying that people aren't listening to science. Now, politically, it's grown into a crisis all over the EU because Germany, France, Italy, the Netherlands all pulled out of using AstraZeneca yesterday. They've all paused the rollout. It is not a ban. It is not a cancellation. It's just a pause. Now, here at home, it puts 30,000 people's vaccinations on the long finger by a week, or by a fortnight, or whatever it was intended to be, until such time as we find out from the EMA, the European Medicines Agency, whether it's safe to continue. And all the experts, thank you for that, Dr. Mark. Mark uh, Toshner from Cambridge University was the man I had on yesterday. Thanks, guys. I'd completely forgotten his name. He also said, nothing to worry about here. Nothing at all. In fact, the benefits of this vaccine far, far, far outweigh any possible uh, effects, negative effects. But it's become a huge political issue. And Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun, has quite a large piece in the paper about it today. And it is a political problem now, isn't it, Adam? Good morning. It is indeed, PJ. Thanks for having us on. This is something that has uh, really gathered pace over the past couple of days. The list of countries you named there, and you can add Spain to that as well as of last night, have all followed Ireland in uh, suspending the use of this vaccine. Now, the, the key word that gets thrown around by all the political leaders on this one is an abundance of caution. So this is all sparked by, as we know, um, several blood clot cases in Norway and now all scientists even including the two doctors you had on yourself yesterday would have said that like I mean there's X amount of blood clots will happen in the population in general there's no link to bring them into that they're linked to the after getting the vaccine the WHO yesterday put out a statement saying that they believe this vaccine is perfectly safe that there's no link between these blood clot cases and yet they will meet today to assess the the cases and the issues that all the European countries have on this. Um, And then the EMA will also meet today. They're expected to conclude on Thursday. And that's hopefully when we will get uh, some some hopeful positive news out of this and we can get those vaccines back underway. Is Michal Martin having sleepless nights over this, Adam? I would imagine he is. The the Taoiseach was on um, an American TV station as part of the the St. Patrick's Day celebrations doing an interview yesterday. And uh, he mentioned, he said the word caution and precaution, I think about four or five times in his answer to this question. So, I mean, they're all, the argument is that this is actually will will help boost confidence in the the vaccination rollout because people can feel safe in, in the knowing that the state will stop the vaccine and protect them and make sure that everything is being done to ensure that this is perfectly safe. Now, whether that argument comes true, because I know a lot of people now would be concerned about the, the AstraZeneca vaccine, having seen all these headlines in the papers over the past few days. You get the impression when watching our politicians, and Michal Martin is one of the most interesting ones to watch, that they do, like you said, they do repeat things. They use the words like precaution, abundance of, of caution. They use it repeatedly with that kind of Uh, staged confidence that comes with being a professional politician. But you know, don't you, that in the back of their minds going, Jesus, I hope I'm right. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's that's the messaging that's coming from, from all parts of the government. And, and even some of the opposition yesterday was that this is all being done with caution. Now, it will be important because, as you mentioned in your intro there, 30,000 people were due to get that vaccine this week. Those appointments are being pushed forward to an unknown date until this situation is sorted out. And the key thing to remember here is those 30,000 people are a mix of um, medically, people with med- underlying medical conditions and healthcare workers. And it's those people then that have been waiting. A lot of those, 20,000 of those 30,000 were uh, people with underlying medical conditions. They have been in doing the severest isolation to look after themselves for the past year. This had been a ray of sunshine, yeah. the horizon. They thought they were going to get the vaccine. They could go back to meeting people and that sort of thing. And then this is another kick then to push them down the line until we don't know, really know when yet. So is there a provision will be made or could be made for these vulnerable groups? Like like you say, you're, you're, you've spoken to quite a number of them. They were in the schedule for this week and next. They now may not be. Is there another vaccine that can be given to them? Can we get more Pfizer? That is a very good question, uh, PJ. I, I, was asked, I asked all the associations that yesterday, and that's one thing that they are keen to get clarity from the government on because... The Marie Keating Foundation told me that they had asked, well, look, we, we understand this issue. We completely, like, all of these organizations, important to point out, support the decision. You know, in an abundance of caution, it makes sense to protect people. But now they want to know, can we have some of the Pfizer or the Moderna instead? But I'm told that the government has all, or the HSC has already earmarked those vaccines for people over 70. And you know, I think it's between 80 and 84 this week. And so that vaccine really isn't up for grabs for them. So it's just, a matter of delaying this now until decision is made on Thursday. Politically, Adam, there seems to be some resistance to within government to doing our own deals. A number of countries across the EU, in addition to being part of the EU rollout, they've done their own deals. What are you sensing? What the resistance is to trying to do our own small deals? There actually is no resistance to, to trying to do our own deals. The government have reached out to um, all of the drug companies. They've reached out to uh, the UK, Germany, France, I'm told as well, asking, can we take their, cause, can we take spare vaccines from them? Because some of these countries have a lot of AstraZeneca that they're sitting on that hasn't, hasn't been used yet. And we, we've seen the reports about the US. I'm sure the Taoiseach will bring this up with Joe Biden when mm. they meet during the week. But the government has tried to do these deals. That like like Pfizer has a massive presence in this country, including mm-hmm. probably the, the, the European, if not the world, headquarters for, for Viagra. Like, have they reached out directly to the, to, to the management at Pfizer's and said, listen, can we get a couple of tonne of that stuff because we're a bit stuck here? I'm told that the government have reached out to Pfizer, uh, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca, and that's including two meetings between the CEO of AstraZeneca and the Taoiseach and the CEO of Johnson & Johnson and the Taoiseach. And the state has offered them €100 million Euro in state aid to revamp their, their manufacturing facilities so that they can create these vaccines here or they can bring some process of the creation here. Now, I spoke to Pfizer last week who told me that they don't think this would be fe- They're not going to go for the, the government's proposal. They don't think it would be feasible because... There's in, in these vaccines, there's about 82 compounds, I think, that go into the vaccine. Mm-hmm. They come from 28 countries across the world. And to bring all of those different com- compounds to Ireland would be a logistical nightmare in itself before then 
exporting the vaccines out of Ireland because we're in Ireland. So that's what Pfizer have told me. Now, it's yet to, I've yet to hear what AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson have said about bringing some sort of manufacturing process of the vaccines here to Ireland. I know the Taoiseach met with both the CEOs last week. So there could be some good news there. Hopefully, but we, we don't really know. I can't imagine that these companies will, will move yeah, it's probably not something you can do overnight, to be, to, to, to be fair. So, coming back to the European Medicines Agency, have we any sense from the political sphere, Adam, as to when they may say something about AstraZeneca? They're to meet, what is it, today and tomorrow? Yes, they are to meet today, and WHO will also meet today. Um, I'm told that the EMA will have an extraordinary meeting, is what it was called, on Thursday, and... Um, a decision will be made then and new advice will be issued. I can, all the, as you know yourself from speaking to those two doctors yesterday, all scientists seem to think that this will just be another, yes, the vaccine is safe to use. There's risks with all vaccines, but the risks, the benefit outweighs the risk. And so we could be, hopefully, by the weekend, back on the way with AstraZeneca. All right, okay, we'll await for further developments. Thanks very much. Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. The scientists and scientists are people who, yes, can change their mind based on the evidence, and indeed, they often do. In fact, several times over the past 12 months, Luke O'Neill has changed his own outlook based on the, the unfolding science. But when you have people like Luke O'Neill, Elizabeth Brint, uh, Mr. Toshner in Cambridge, and so many others, pretty every scientist I heard interviewed on any programme yesterday was saying the very same thing. This vaccine has been more than proven. This vaccine is extremely strong, extremely powerful, promotes a very positive immune reaction. What might happen, it appears, is that the European Medicines Agency may say, right, go ahead with it. But if you have any patients who are prone to blood problems like clotting, coagulation, that kind of thing, then you might not give it to them. You might take certain people with a tendency towards clotting or a tendency towards any sort of circulatory problem. You might take AstraZeneca and not give it to them. That might be what comes out of of Europe. But most of the scientists, very, very confident at every level that by the end of the week or into next week at the latest, that the European Medicines Agency will come back and say, look, AstraZeneca is okay. If I was one of those 30,000 people, I was hearing all this talk about Norway, Denmark and Sweden, I might be tempted to not turn up, says Morris. Isn't it better to have things sorted out rather than fellas have making up excuses to miss appointments? It would prey in your mind if you were one of the 30k. Easy for the rest of us to be brave. Morris, that's a great comment. That's an absolutely great point. It is prudent to make sure everything is okay. Now, Luke O'Neill is saying it goes against good science. But I suppose politicians and leaders have to act in the abundance of caution too, and you have to, you have to come down on that side. Thomas, I'm surprised AstraZeneca hasn't come out yet and recommended that their product not be used until this potential adverse event has been fully investigated. I know Johnson and Johnson would have done it. Do you? The government is a walking zombie. We need a Fianna Fáil Sinn Féin coalition. Well, whatever we need with regard to government, they can't change anything to do with this, Thomas, no matter who was in government, if the monster raving loony party went into coalition with solidarity people before profit there are those who say you can't, anyway um, I don't think they'd be able to, to sort it out just now Caller says, is this a batch issue? The UK plant is known to have very good quality output well there's the thing globally now they're 
17 point something million doses of AstraZeneca vaccine have been administered and there's not 50 cases of bad reactions. So you kind of have to put it into perspective at the end of the day. 1850-715-996. You know you're Irish. Frank is forced out of the forced out of the traps with a cracker. I'm not reading it now. I'll hold on to it for a little while. We're going to do that. You know you're Irish when? You know you're Irish if. Here's how you know you're Irish. 083 396 96 96. There's something that nobody else in the world <laughs> would understand except us. My one is you can always tell the Irish in a pub in England uh, because, well, when you can go to pubs, you can always tell the Irish in a pub in England because at 11 o'clock the lights flash and everyone finishes their drink and goes for their coat. The Irish tear for the bar for another four rounds. You see, we see it in England because we don't take any notice of it here. That's one thing. So what is it? You know you're Irish when? All right. Some of the ones that are in the in the article are very funny. I'll get to it in a second. 1850-715-996. Now, we're all a bit uptight and hit up about lockdown. God, it's a year old now. I see the pubs yesterday were saying it's a year ago since they were told to close their doors and an awful lot of them haven't yet opened except for a couple of weeks. And you know, regardless of how you feel about lobby groups and regardless about how you feel about what happened before Christmas and regardless of any of that, you have to have immense sympathy for the publican who's been shut since last March, particularly the guy running a small little country pub probably at this stage in part of the country that hasn't had a case in weeks, sitting there looking at their pub closed and thinking, Jesus, am I ever going to get open again? Is my little business gone for good? You have to sympathise with them. You really do. 1850-715-996. Did you know that not just you are browned off, not just you are stressed, not just you are really feeling the lockdown, your dog is. Your what? Your dog. I'm serious. There's a behavioural expert here in Cork has said it's gone on so long now that it's getting to the dogs. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Takeover on Corks 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the big drive home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. Takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. I think Kevin 
uh, sums it up what a lot of people will be thinking with regard to AstraZeneca, which is why the message coming back from European medicine and from the World Health Organization has to be very carefully worded, as I'm sure it will. Look, he says, I've got heart problems, have had for a long time. I've no problem getting a vaccine, but I'm not going to get one that possibly causes blood clots. J&J are one of the others, grand. AstraZeneca, not for me. That's just the point, Kevin. They're trying at the moment to look at the data, and they're looking at thousands and thousands of pages of data to see, is there any connection, actual biological connection, between what has happened to some unfortunate people and the actual presence of the vaccine in their bodies. And what science tells us is that it's going to be almost impossible to establish such a connection. They also tells us it's highly unlikely that there's such a connection. People get strange things happening in their body all the time. And as Dr. Brint said yesterday morning, people get heart attacks every day. So thousands of people around the world, and this is the best analogy, thousands of people around the world get heart attacks every day. If it is a thing that some of those people got heart attacks about 24 or 48 or 72 hours after they got the AstraZeneca vaccine, does that make it causative for the heart attack. That's what the science has to figure out now. The chances are probably not, and that's what the evidence is going to be. The EMA is going to be looking at that. If people had a problem with blood clots, is it connectable to the vaccine? That's what they're. That's the question they're asking. And if they can't clarify it, they will issue uh, just a, an advisory on it. But that's where we are, and we'll hear more towards the weekend. But Kevin, thank you for that excellent comment. You know you're Irish, says Max, when you've no idea how to make a long story short. Yes, yes, and me a mom. Right. Dogs. Your dog is suffering from lockdown, just like you are. This is according to a Cork-based animal behaviour expert who says she's been busier than ever during lockdown, helping owners with stressed-out animals. I kid you not. Leanne Zeiler is with the Animal Behaviour Clinic and does most of her consultations these days on Zoom. But uh, she did a piece recently in Cork Bureau where she said that there are actually dogs now suffering from stress, dogs suffering from anxiety disorder, dogs suffering from separation anxiety. And what's it down to? It's down to the fact that they are around us all the time and they are picking up on our stress. We thought that the dog was a great way to ease your stress. There's no more fun than you've had a very stressful day and along comes the dog, big lolloping ages of a dog and all they want to do is play or or eat or bum your dinner. But that's grand. But the dog is picking up on you. I had to talk to Leanne about that. Leanne, we have grown closer to our animals over the last 12 months, spending more time with them. But I think you're, you're kind of quietly warning us that it might not be as good for them as we think. So basically, every time you're with your animals, with your pets, they're going to pick up on your energy. They're going to pick up on your emotions. And without a doubt, at the moment, uh, during the last 12 months, it has been difficult for most of us. So obviously, if we are going into a very emotional state, then we will see the reflection in our dogs. You talk about separation anxiety. Now, we think that that's when we go out to work and we're gone for eight hours and the dog is on their own. But at the moment, we're with them all the time. So where does the separation anxiety come from? One reason is because we are constantly with them. 
So they don't experience, especially so many puppies right now, they never experience that the owners are not away from them. And then obviously this is a very new situation and they get thrown into it for like six to eight hours a day, very suddenly. So what I'm saying is um, that you should actually have times right now where your pet is away from you. It can, you can start off with 15 minutes then half an hour, then maybe an hour, two hours, etc. Go out for a bit without taking them with you. Okay. So that you're kind of preparing them for it. And it's always good to have a routine before people go back to work. So that let's say, okay, I'm going to walk my dog in the morning when I would usually walk them before I go to work. Okay. And then let's say the dog goes into a different room or into a crate and I do my own thing. Um, or I go out um, maybe shopping, etc. So with that routine building, the dog is not going to be suddenly thrown into a very new and very complicated situation for them. Mm. I'm thinking in particular, are you maybe of young dogs, even even puppies who, who've come into our homes during this situation? That's the only life they know is also always being around. Absolutely correct. Yes. Um, but it can be difficult for older dogs as well because they have experienced 12 months of this now. Obviously, for dogs, time is not that relevant. But if they have gotten used to this routine, it can still be tricky for them as well. Um, one symptom that I see very often um, in the last uh, six to eight months in particular is hyperattachment, where basically the dog is following the owners around. And our response is going to be very important. Are we going to address this and are we going to tell the dog, no, I want you to just stay where you are? Or do we actually reinforce that? Maybe we feel emotional about that. Oh, my dog likes me so much that they just follow me around. And is that maybe a misreading in the situation? Correct. Yes. If a dog has a tendency to, com- to constantly follow the owners around, it's already building an exi- anxiety. I can already see in those cases the dogs, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, used, I'm losing the visual. I'm, I'm, um, the owner's getting out of sight. Okay, I'm getting worried about this. And they follow. So we have already minor anxiety happening right there. So if I tell the dog straight away, okay, why don't you do this? Instead of following me, go back to your bed and just relax. And I'll be back. Mm. This is already a starting point of things that owners can do right now in order to avoid any separation issues later on. So the the, the dog actually needs to be reassured almost as much as as a child that, listen, I will be back. It's not so much about the being back part, but um, it's more about tell the dog what you want them to do. I don't want my dogs to get anxious. So I tell them, okay, I want you to lie on your bed and I want you to relax. Okay. The being back part comes in because obviously we are not going out of sight straight away, like for two hours. Yeah. So let's say I even go out in the kitchen and I come back again. And then I can reward the dog for that. Okay, you stayed on your bed and you stayed relaxed. Well done. Right. So this is how you can shape the response of the dog. And it's something very easy to do. They have to get used to you not being around. Exactly. Yes. And it's a low level situation. Okay. But the dog learns that, okay, I can't see her or I can't see him right now, but He gave me information. He told me, okay, stay in your bed, stay relaxed. Yeah, I can do that. 
Mm. And before they go into the worried state, the owner is already back again. How much do dogs actually pick up on how we're feeling? As in, if it's been, as it can be, after a lengthy period of lockdown like this, it can be a day when you're feeling just a little bit drained, a little bit emotional. How much of that does our dog pick up on? Okay, very simply put, your dog knows how you feel better than you do. Really? They do. Dogs are very sensitive and they're very, very tuned into us. They have a relationship with us that they're trying to figure us out all the time. And they're so glued into us. I can see when a dog is responding to um, the emotions or the state of mind of the owner, when the owner does not even know that, for instance, they're tense or they are anxious. But the dog is already responding to that. With my own dogs, I have one girl, um, she's a collie mix, and she always tells me when I'm getting anxious, when I'm getting tense, even though I didn't know it before. Really? Yes, amazing. Here's something that's come up on social media from time to time, Leanne. People who say, do you talk to your dog? Do you tell your dog I'll be back later? Like, talking to our dogs, those of us who have dogs, I know, I do, absolutely. I talk to my dogs all the time. I know they don't understand a word I'm saying, but yet... You'd be surprised. Really? Absolutely. Do you know, if you would have asked me actually a year ago, I would have said, "Mm, okay, what's your energy? What's your body language? Um, Over the last year, um, I have done a little bit more um, study on perception modification. And perception modification is about 80 to 90% of verbally communicating with the animals. And not only dogs, but we can do this with cats. We can do this with exotic animals like even dolphins or seals or elephants, etc. And what we see is they do understand a lot of words that we're saying they kind of get the gist of it. Do they pick up on the tone of your voice or the actual words that you use? Um, The words itself as well. Really? Wow. Absolutely. Um, The tone of the voice, uh, the way you structure the sentence as well, if it's like a question or if it's like a statement, absolutely makes a difference as well. But the words are very important as well. Now, sometimes I do have to teach the dogs what a certain word means. Mm. Okay, so what, what does relaxed or easy mean, for instance? Um, what does tree mean? What does car mean? Absolutely, I teach them that if I'm not quite sure that did they get it. From what you're telling me, there's a lot more to our four-legged friends than just mm-hmm. a bit of company. Absolutely. We, we don't know the half of it, I think. Listen, thank you very much for your time, Leanne. I know so many of our listeners are our dog lovers and dog owners, I think they'll be looking over at their dog from a whole different angle going, you really nearly would talk back to me if you had words. And some of them really try. Leanne, thank you very much for your time. No problem at all. It was a pleasure. Leanne Zeiler from the Animal Behaviour Clinic in Cork. So when they look at you as if they're about to say something, if they had the words, they would say it. That's gas. 1850-715-996. Just on AstraZeneca, Mags says any woman of... This is great. This is actually so true. Any woman of childbearing age 
who uses the contraceptive pill is warned about the risk, albeit a small one, of blood clots. All medicines carry a risk of side effects. The bigger picture is that AZ, AstraZeneca, has been administered to, to millions of people without any issues whatsoever. Yeah, 17 point something million doses of it administered so far. And I think it's less than 50 incidents. And only four was it the ones that brought it to the international attention that it has now. So maybe a bit of perspective uh, needed here. Thanks very much for that, Mags. Uh, the other thing, how, the other reasons you know how you're Irish. I love this one. Some good ones coming in. I get to them during the morning. You've been known to put your own spin on the names of world leaders. Like everyone thinks that New Zealand is currently led by a woman called Jacinta Ahern. We, we've just decided... I've not actually used that name on air with me here. You know, you want Jacinta Ahern down in New Zealand? Yeah, we've completely adopted our own version of people's names. We're absolutely obsessed with the weather. I confess to that myself. I have weather apps. I may, I spend hours trying to think, what's the weather like for tomorrow? Like, you look to, ahead to Patrick's Day. You don't really care what's the weather like is the big one uh, you understand what red lemonade is now there's a whole morning's discussion in red lemonade lemonade should not be red it shouldn't under any circumstances be red lemonade they've never seen a red lemon in my life red lemonade shouldn't exist what it does and don't even try to explain to an outsider about Tanora. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. I'm here with you every afternoon making sure the days fly by with huge tunes, brilliant guest interviews. Can I swear on the radio? Latest breaking news. Ah, stop. i got some giveaways for you. Thank you so much, Simon. And just maybe a little bit of silliness along the way. Dairy milk or curly whirly, what are you? Golden crisp. <laughs> yeah. It's the only soundtrack you need in the afternoon in Cork. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Conceal, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Just as a, a, by, a, a by the boy for a sec, we will probably talk more about this on Thursday. Or indeed, look, if you want to discuss it now, you can at 1850 But this protest. Planned for Cork Thursday, four o'clock. Uh, reporting in the Echo, Anne Murphy says it's due to be at four o'clock Thursday. It's one of five organised across the island by ROSA. That's the Association for Reproductive Rights Against Oppression, Sexism and Austerity. And it comes, obviously, in the wake of the Sarah Everard story, which we have discussed uh, at length 
on the opinion line. We've heard some horrific stories of people, women in Cork City and County, who faced their own fears on the road and, and how they walk in fear after dark and the sound of a man's footstep behind them can be frightening because of the things they've experienced. We've been talking about all that in the last few days. Yesterday, Ruth Coppinger, the former TD, was suggesting that things like this planned protest in Cork on Thursday, and I think they've won in Dublin today or tomorrow, today, that they should be allowed to go ahead under the heading of an essential protest. I never in my life heard something so stupid. We are in a level five lockdown. And this protest, be it in Dublin today, Cork on Thursday, is just as illegal under level five as the one that happened a couple of Saturdays ago inside the city centre. And to hear someone who was recent, up to recently, was a TD to say it should be an essential protest. I'm flipping sorry. That's laughable. So, while I completely understand and have spoken to so many women in the last week about how the Sarah Everard story has upset them and triggered memories of theirs, and I spoke at length to Holly and I spoke to other women yesterday. I can see how it's upsetting people. It's a horrific story. But this thing on Friday or Thursday afternoon in Cork, an essential protest? Come on now, give over. Well, I, I'm going to have to ask Ruth Coppinger what she's putting in her tea. Ashling says, you know you're Irish when all you want is a potato sandwich and a glass of tanora. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know you're Irish if your mam asked who said mass of a Sunday. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You know you're Irish when you see men on holidays with sandals and socks. Oh, don't, please, don't. And the other one, I'll tell you about it later on. The, you know the whole GAA ra- mating ritual that you get on holidays? We'll do that later. But, 1850 More and more people, I find anyway, just doing this job over the last number of years, more and more people, men and women, but actually especially women, are speaking out now about their eating disorders how they came to have them, how they battled with them, how recovery is or isn't going. And over the last number of years, it's become more of an open space to talk about eating disorders. Certainly since since I, the Opinion Line, began in this form seven years ago, almost seven years ago, this very week, because we started it officially on the 18th of March, I had come in to the show on middle of February, but the 18th of March 2014 was when the Opinion Line actually began as the newly branded Opinion Line. But back then, back then, it would have been not something that women would talk about freely or openly. And I've noticed that over the last number of years, they do. And men too, but more so women, I think, still. And there's a podcast called Disordered. And it's uh, run by and put together by Rene Van Medding uh, about eating disorders and those who who live with them. I'm not too sure, Rene, do we use the word live with them or suffer from them when we talk about eating disorders? Good morning. Hi, PJ Harry. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Do we talk about suffering from or living with? 
I suppose um, it's 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 a very personal thing. Some people, you know, would identify with, you know, suffering from or living with. You know, I personally kind of feel that I live with an eating disorder, although it no longer controls me. Um, I developed mine first when I was 16 and I've lived with it for almost two decades now. Um, but as I say, it's something that at one point in my life very much controlled me and at one point almost killed me. Um, but now it's something that I've I've learned to live with and um, I do feel that I'm in a place of um, recovery yeah. now. Good, because when you see someone who's at the worst of their eating disorder, that definitely is suffering, isn't it? It is. Do you know what? And it's, um, it's very important, as I think, especially this year, you know, Eating Disorder Awareness Week was a couple of weeks back. And the focus this year was on binge eating disorder, yeah. EED, which is something that is, is not talked about a lot. Um, often when people think of eating disorders, they think of someone who's very, very, very underweight, uh, usually a, a girl or a young woman. Um, and that's just not the case. Eating disorders do not discriminate. They come in all shapes and sizes. It's not just those are, who are very underweight. Um, you know, at the height of my eating disorder, I would have, you know, been what you may have classed as a normal weight. And my BMI um, would have been normal. Um, and so, you know, I think for a lot of people, they don't come forward for help because they think, oh, I'm not bad enough or this isn't what an eating disorder looks like. Um and eating disorders are very complex. They're not just about food. They're, mm. you know, psychological and mental illnesses um, that take a hold of a person's mind and their body. And, and often they're nothing to do with food and they're nothing to do with weight. Yeah. Uh, but that's just one of the ways that they, you know, physically manifest. Yeah. I, I just spoke there before I brought you in about how I feel just as an observer doing this job. Mm. People have yeah. become more open in the last number of years. Where do you think that comes from, Renee? Definitely. And I think that's to do with, you know, the the spectrum of mental illnesses that we talk about now. You know, people are coming forward and talking about their struggles with other issues um, of mental health. And I think that's kind of opened the door a little bit. Um, I do think that eating disorders still, unfortunately, often are a shameful thing for people to talk about, um, more so than um, some other mental illnesses. Uh, but it definitely has gotten better. I mean, when I first developed my eating disorder, it was not something that I ever heard discussed on the radio, you know, on television, on in newspapers. That was just not something that you would see. And if you did see it discussed at all, it would be that stereotypical um, waif-like girl who is, you know, was starving. Yeah. Um, it wasn't an actual real discussion that you would see. So it definitely has gotten better, uh, but we, we need more because yeah. there's still just so much misinformation about it and a lack of awareness and um, education about it. And yeah. I think if people were educated on what they actually are and how they manifest and, you know, the dangers of, you know, people who are susceptible to developing one, um, it, it would just be a, a much... It's safe for society for, you know, our kids to grow up. Another thing that I might have thought five or six years ago was that it was just anorexia or bulimia. Never the twain shall meet and there's nothing else like it. I alone have learned that there's much more to it than that. Absolutely. There's even, you know, so as I mentioned, there's binge eating disorder, um, which is the complete other side of the spectrum to anorexia. And yet they're almost identical. 
um, in the, the psychology behind it. Um, there is muscle dysmorphia, which is, you know, someone who's fixated on, you know, developing a, a, a particular body type. And that that is, you know, a huge problem within, you know, the gym and bodybuilding industry, not to say that, uh, you know, everyone who is bodybuilder suffers with this, but it is a disorder and, you know, people become obsessed and mm-hmm. this obsession and this need and this fear of not having a particular body type or not having control over what you are eating or, or how much you're exercising. Mm. Um, and it's when it becomes to take hold of your life and at the peril of everything else, uh, that's when it becomes a really big problem. Was the podcast born out of your own experience or the experience of those that mm. you met along the way? Yeah. Yeah. So the podcast um, was an idea that was floated to me by one of my friends, Fergal Curtis, who ended up producing it for me um, with Tall Tales Podcasts. And um, he said to me, would, would I think about doing a podcast about this? And I'd always wanted to work on a project that would allow me to kind of um, raise awareness and, you know, kind of through through my own experiences. And then, as you said, the people I've met along the way. So basically, the podcast is just a series of conversations with people who have suffered in one one way or another from either a diagnosed eating disorder or those who have suffered from disordered eating, if that's what we want to call it, but never had a diagnosis, but very much had their lives controlled um, by issues of food and weight and exercise. Um, So just a series of conversations to try to um, get people to open up the conversation and just really... um, challenge themselves on what their own relationship is with food and exercise and their bodies um, and, um, you know, challenge the, the, this uh, preconception of what an eating disorder looks like. Are you thinking that maybe listening back to certain episodes that somebody could recognize within themselves that they need help? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like even I've had, um, you know, close family members say to me, you know, pe- people who maybe never thought that they had struggled with um, these sorts of issues before, but then, you know, on reflection are, are, are looking back and, and thinking, actually, this is not a healthy thing that I do. This is not a good relationship that I have with this. Um, so people who maybe would never think in a million years that they had some form of disordered thoughts around um, food or their body, um, I think through listening to this, you, it, it does, it really does challenge you and it kind of confronts you a little bit, which is what yeah. we want. It's breaking a taboo subject, which was, yeah, it was yeah. very much a taboo subject up to a number of years ago. Where can we mm-hmm. find it, Renee? Uh, so it's on broadcast by Tall Tales and it's on Apple and all, Spotify, any, anywhere you get your podcasts. And it's if you just search for Disordered. Uh, the podcast and my name Renee Van Adding, you will find us. Okay, good luck with it because it's a, it's it's a brave it's a brave topic for a podcast and congratulations on it. Thank you so much, really appreciate it. Cheers, that's Renee Van Medding. It's called Disordered. The podcast had to listen to an episode uh, last evening and it's hard hitting stuff. It, it doesn't hold back. That's why I asked her. Like a lot of people could recognise within themselves, you know, problems that that need help and. Disordered the podcast on all your available, your various platforms. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Yeah, Millie. Millie went to Social Sunday with Leanne in the Bark Park. Where's the Bark Park? There's a lovely name in the Bark Park. And Leanne helped us understand her. She was a very reactive and anxious dog. We've made huge progress now, uh, says Siobhan. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. There's little doggy on our Twitter. 
gorgeous little little doggy. Um, I think the owner may want to get uh, Leanne's advice very soon. Uh, Bark Park, where is Bark Park? It sounds like such a great idea. Great idea. Uh, yeah, more more stuff coming in about you know your Irish when uh, the GAA parade on holidays I, I always used to, to find it so funny when you'd arrive on holidays so you get off the plane and you go to the apartment block first thing you do check into the apartment you find out there's the bar there's the supermarket that's grand out onto the balcony lovely view of the sea delighted ah lads we'll be happy out here you have a cup of coffee and then you see it a Roscommon jersey a Galway jersey a Tipperary jersey a Clare jersey a Dublin jersey, another Dublin jersey, another Dublin jersey, a cock over every balcony. Someone throws a jersey, almost to signify the tribe are here. I noticed there's a place in Lanzarote called San Marshall, very popular with cock people. And you've, if you've ever been in San Marshall, you'll know that. This, it's like the parade of the guy jerseys when everybody moves in. It's hilarious. One of the funniest things you've ever seen. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Mags put up a picture of <laughs> of a wooden spoon. And she said, you know you're Irish if you realise that this is not just a cooking implement. <laughs> yes. Yes, Mags. And you know the little hole at the end of it there? That, that used to be sometimes people used to think that was for a little bit of thread to hang it on a nail in the kitchen. Not at all. Not at all. That was for the bit of string, heavy string that she put around it so that she could tie it to her wrist and she could keep flaking and she wouldn't drop. Yes, yes. You know you're Irish when that's not a cooking implement. <laughs> Thank you. That's what we want. You know you're Irish when. You know you're Irish if it's the things about ourselves that no one else would understand and if they don't understand them tough luck it's their loss the things that make us uniquely who we are on this eve of our special national day and the eve of our national holiday uh, for example Ruka said you're obsessed with the weather your mother still texts you if she hears that the civil service is recruiting is another one like for as long as I do this job my mother will still tell me there's great jobs to be had in such a <laughs> For as long as I do this. Uh, you believe that your man and your one are perfectly normal ways to refer to anybody. Ah, you know you're one. Ah, you're one. You know you're one. Yeah, she's married to your man. Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, that's a perfectly normal, rational conversation in an Irish kitchen. Anywhere else in the world, they'd commit you for it. You know you're one. Yeah, she's married to your man. Yeah, ah, I know her well. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. More of those. Uh, 083 396 96 96. Pictures, quotes, anything at all. You know, you're Irish if. And things that we just realise about ourselves, and we're actually very, very proud of it. Uh, we'll read out the best ones at 083 396 96 96. The number, of course, to call is 1850 715 And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Yes, I have said, and I've nailed my colours very, very firmly to the mast, that uh, protest in Cork on Thursday should not go ahead. No protest should be going ahead. This thing planned for Dublin tomorrow should not be going ahead. We're under level five. Uh, 
And there's something going on, I think, tomorrow afternoon as well, down around the RTE studios in Cork. That should not go ahead. should not be allowed to go ahead. In fact, it should be cleared by Gardaí and people arrested. Any of those protests, because it's not right. They're not. They shouldn't be allowed. So there you go. Colours nailed firmly to master. I don't want me to do so. A big birthday today. We Look, we get them, and we don't do them all, but we do some of them, particularly when there's a naught in it. A birthday with a naught in it, a roundy birthday. That's Pat Mahan, and Catherine Mahan-Buckley has been on with us many times over the last few months with regard to conditions in nursing homes and how hard it is having some loved one in a nursing home that you can't visit and they don't quite understand why you're not coming. They get it, there's a pandemic and all. It's been very hard for Catherine and her mum and her family over the last few months. But uh, Pat Mahan, who is mum of Catherine Mahan Buckley, has a big, roundy birthday today. And she's 90. And all the best from Mags, Anthony and Liam Horgan. And congratulations. 1850 Speaking of mams and Mother's Day, we had Mother's Day on Sunday and every mom in the world uh, was revered as only she should be. And of course, here in Ireland, we revere our mams like no other uh, country in the world. You can argue with me about that back that day to this, but we do. Like even fellas who are married, they're married to someone who isn't their mother, but they still treat her like she was on that day. That's a, a uniquely Irish thing. Um, and it's great, by the way, before you even go anywhere. But a fabulous um, piece that we read on her.ie um, from Jamie O'Herlihy. Now, we spoke on the programme to Jamie O'Herlihy. God, it's, it's a couple of years ago now, Jamie. And, and at that point... You Had you begun to transition or were you in the process of it? And we had a good long chat about it. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Um, I think I had begun to transition. Um, but it's, as you said, so long ago now, I can't even remember. Yeah, it's four or five years ago. And we, yeah. were, tra- we were talking, I, 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 I'm trying to remember the issue. It was to do with public toilets. It was, and, and you came on and I remember you being a fantastic contributor. Um, and, and you went through, you know, the stage at which you were at the time. Mm-hmm. Yourself and your sister both transitioned, did they? We did. We did. Yeah, we did wow. together. <laughs> yeah. And mum was just rock solid through it all. Yeah, through it all. Like, I couldn't have asked for a more supportive, loving, kind, caring mother. Like, it was yeah. amazing. Talk to me about the first time you discussed it with her. Um. Well, the first time it was ever brought up, she asked me. She asked me, was I transgender? And I was like, no, 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 no. I just like to dress up. And I think she kind of knew then. But um, the first time I ever said it to her was after I told my housemates who I was living with. And I just told them on a whim. I just wanted to see their reaction, see what they would say. And then it was like, okay, it's safe to tell my mom now. But I felt kind of scared because I was like, what about, like, what about if she doesn't accept that or what about if she can't understand it or what about if it hurts her um, but none of those things happened she was just like look as long as you're happy healthy you're not hurting anybody else I'm going to accept you and love you no matter what because you are my child no matter what gender or whatever I love you and yeah how, how much of a weight was that off your mind it was amazing. Like, as in, like, we had already come out as, um, you know, LGBT anyway. Like, uh, we came out as bisexual and gay. And my mom's actually a proud lesbian woman. So, I mean, you know, coming out is kind of like, 
we've done it before, but I guess, like, I was kind of expecting her to say that, but you always have that doubt in your mind that, you know, they could turn around and say, well, I don't really understand it, or something mm. like that. But, no, it was it was amazing. She even went to Pride with you, I think, did she? Yeah, she came over to um, Trans Pride over in Brighton one year as well, which was kind of a big, big ask, but it was so nice to see her holding the trans flag and, you know, supporting us. It was amazing. Yeah. Now, and and both both of you uh, coming up, did Chloe and yourself, were you at the same time together? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I had talked to Chloe kind of in the summer of 2015. Um, well, it was just after summer. She was doing her graduation and she decided to go very androgynous with her look for her graduation. And it was then that I kind of thought, maybe Chloe's not, you know, um, maybe Chloe's not just androgynous, maybe it's something else. And I asked her and we talked about it then. And um, she kind of said, yeah, she said, there's something definitely missing in my life. And I, I was like, you know what, I feel like I'm the same because I was doing drag and um, performing. Yeah. And I was like, it's definitely, that's not me. Like, that's not what I want to do. And I was like, I think I might be transgender. And she was like, I think I might be as well. So I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be fun. But, um, <laughs> but you know what? It's been amazing to have someone there, like, all the time, you know, like, if I ever need to ask her anything or if she needs to ask me anything or, you know, just to talk about, like, what we've been through and stuff. Like, it's just really cool. Is it easier to talk about these issues now than it was, than, than it was, say, we first talked, I think, Jamie, it was 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is it easier now? than it used to be for trans people to talk? I think it definitely is. I think, you know, I think there's so much out there now about being trans and, you know, I think people are a lot more accepting. But, like, there is always going to be the biggest and the haters and stuff. Like, you know, people who just can't get their head around it or people who, you know, are so straight, on straight and narrow, like, you know, I can't really see outside of their own life and what they've been taught by their parents. Um, which is really sad because, like, it, it does affect us as, as you know, LGBT people um, because we're so open-minded to it, kind of everybody and, you know, whatever. But it's, it's, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Last week, to mark International Women's Day, we, we spoke to Dara Jan McGann, who's a local here from Cove. Oh, yeah, uh, I know her. Yeah. Celebrating, celebrating her, her first International Women's Day at the age of... 48, I, I nearly said 49, I'd have been slaughtered for it. But, but you know, I couldn't put into words just how much it meant to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how long is it since you celebrated your first actual International Women's Day and fully, you know, you fully, fully transitioned now? Um, well, 2016, I guess, because I came out late 2015. Um, and kinda, I came out in February of 2016 to the to the world, really, with a video on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, yeah. four or five years. Ago, and and mum's been there all along. Yeah, all along. Her name is Sarah, and she's an absolute rock. Superwoman, yeah. All right, listen, good to talk to you, Jamie, Thanks. and our best to Chloe and to Sarah and to the whole family. We did, thank you very much, that's Jamie O'Hurley, a blogger and all that. First spoke with Jamie back in middle to late 2015. It was an issue about... Uh, public toilets and, and transgender people using public toilets. And I remember Jamie came on and was initially really nervous and then just relaxed into the subject. So delighted to see how well it's going. And even then, uh, she was talking about her mom and how close she was.
to her mom. 1850 Uh If PJ feels so strongly about the danger of people travelling and coming in unnecessarily and then it just stops, Mick. It's got nothing to do with travelling. Uh, why doesn't he protest at the airport? Oh, Mick, stop, will you? I don't think people should be coming in through the airport either. Just, just as a by-the-by. I don't think we should have people coming in and out for non-essential travel. I've been saying that since day one. But protesting at the airport won't stop anybody. I also believe, by the way, and I'll just chuck this out there, and we can discuss it now or at another time, but probably at another time because I'm busy today. I've been hearing that a lot of the places that we'll hopefully go back to on holidays next summer will require evidence of vaccination to get you in there. Uh, particularly the likes of the Canary Islands, I'm hearing very strongly, and the Balearic Islands, again, hearing very strongly, they'll require you to be vaccinated. It's not state policy or anything yet, but hearing very strong rumors from people based there that they will require you to have evidence of a vaccine to get into the Canaries or get into Balearics, and I'm sure other places will do it too. I have absolutely no problem with that, and here's what I'm hoping. Here's what I'm hoping. That anybody visiting Ireland from 2022 onwards, coming from anywhere in the world on their holidays, I sincerely hope we have the same policy. Absolutely the same policy. You don't get in here for your holidays without your vaccine. Hate me if you want, but that's how I feel. 1850-715-996. You know you're Irish, says Andrew. When your mam rings you and says, there's a letter here for you, will I open it? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. The Cork man who will perform tomorrow morning for millions of Americans on St. Patrick's Day. Plus all your favourite tunes and me to keep you company if you're at work or nipping out in the car. See you from midday on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 it is within my 5K, I guess, whether I'm here or whether I'm at home. But I wouldn't normally go down there because some of the time it's like a flipping beehive down there. And I can't understand why so many people are flocking there and they can't all be within their 5K. But but that's a by the by. I was down there Friday. My, my son has moved to a new day service in that general vicinity. So I was finished here a bit early on Friday and I grabbed myself a sandwich and a cup of coffee and I went down and I sat in the car. It was a lovely sunny day down by the marina. But I was looking at the, the new greenway. It's, it's absolutely fabulous. Really, really fabulous. Um, but trees have been felled, much to the upset of a lot of uh, local activists. Uh, now, the council has defended its decision to fell those trees, but you kind of think, well, you're putting together a greenway and a nature walk and all of this kind of thing, but why are you pulling down trees? It prompted a post from the Black Rock Mahan community group, my old pal Dennis Coffey. Hi, Dennis. Good morning. Ah, jesse has gone there, Terry. Uh, you might want to get him back for us. Uh, gone on one. Uh, they, they have hit out. The council have hit back 
uh, effectively. Um, they say that works on the Mahan to Marina section of the wider city centre to Passage West Greenway is designed to minimise the impact on the existing natural habitat while also improving the natural environment. It says econ- ecologists have overseen the design, which will see the planting of 65 trees and 2,000 saplings. These will replace the 46 trees that had to be removed to improve access. Some of them were dead and at risk of falling Anyway, extensive surveys were undertaken. We seem to have some trouble getting Dennis back. All right, we'll see what we can do with that in a few minutes. What about what went on in a certain part of Cork City last Saturday night as reported in certain media as a large gathering? Why isn't the Lord Mayor pinning his colours on it as he did on the very peaceful protest a couple of weeks back? Not entirely sure what you mean um, about scenes. They were looked at scenes all over the place. There's weddings up and down the country openly flouting the rules and regulations. Openly flouting the rules and regulations. There was was it 300 or something at a wedding in, in Galway last week and there were pictures from Carrigan Shore at the weekend of the state of the place left after a wedding. It's happening. We all know it's happening. It's not being broken up and people are not being arrested, which we think they should be. 1850 All right, we can't get back to Dennis. Let's move on, though, because I did mention briefly. I, I, the only one I'll do, Terry, I'll, t- I'll take a break and we'll try and sort this out. 1850 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Motors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. This coming Wednesday, Adrian Mantu, cellist with the Contempo Quartet, performs with accordionist Dermot Dunn online from Triscoll in a multimedia performance. You can watch this concert online from Triscoll at 7pm on Patrick's Night. Access all areas. Made in Cork Play by Ear Rehearsed Readings offers access to the full audio stream collection of nine rehearsed readings from the Everyman Theatre for the month of March. There's over 11 hours of pure theatre and you can buy a ticket at everymancork.com. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have any rescheduled shows coming up or live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96fm. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 96 Mentioned earlier on the protest planned in Cork for Thursday around 4 o'clock, one of these Reclaim the Streets protests. And look, cards on table here. I don't think any protests of any kind should be going ahead at the moment be they to do with this or lockdown or anything. It's just protests are unwarranted under level five. Simple as that. They're not allowed under level five and shouldn't be going ahead regardless of the sentiment. But that's not what you wanted to talk about, Anthony, I think, with regard to the the Reclaim the Streets march. No? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Come on, come on. Too fain. Come on. Good. Good. You, you have an issue that I wouldn't have thought about with the reclaimed streets. Well, I think there seems to be like a, a sort of a blindness in the media in general and the printed media and, and the spoken media 
that, you know, women feel unsafe on the streets and this, that and the other. Men feel unsafe on the streets. Men suffer from domestic violence. Men suffer from rape. But they actually just, they don't report it. But if the actual figures were reported, I'm sure it would be nearly 50-50. So it's not just a woman's issue. It's everyone's issue. And in these days, when we're supposed to have equality of the sexes, I think it's a bit much, you know, to sort of just make it all about a woman's issue. I mean, there's places I wouldn't go at night. There's times I wouldn't go out at night. And I mean, I'm not a little fart or anything like, you know. I I just wouldn't go. Yeah, and there are parts of Cork City... Anthony, that I wouldn't go um, mm-hmm. because I know that they're not safe to go, I guess. But but you have to, don't you, accept that as men, mm-hmm. we are statistically far, far safer out there. Mm. But do we know that, PJ? I mean... Well, I'll put it this way to you. I'm a, long time, I'm a long time around. Mm-hmm. And, and for many, many years, I worked at night in the city, three, four, and five nights a week, and I was when I could go in there, which you can now, of course. I was around the city, and there were parts of the city that I wouldn't wouldn't go to then, it wouldn't go to now. But I've never been attacked or mugged, ever, or felt I was close to being attacked or mugged, ever. Well, I know of three friends that suffer from domestic violence, male friends. Mm. And I know of one male friend that was raped. Well, so cer- so certainly, certainly the domestic violence issue. Um, every time we talk about domestic violence, we do get messages in asking us, would we also read out the men's helpline? And we're also very happy to do it. We, we do realise that, that, and that, that's been very well portrayed in some, some soap operas, I think, as well. Mm-hmm, but I, I still think it's a bit... It's a bit unbalanced. It really is, PJ, to be quite honest. I think it's unbalanced because I think it was... I'm open for correction now and somebody will probably ring up and correct me, but I think it was Jerry Adams asked Hall Martin when he was the Minister for Health, what are the figures for male domestic violence, males that are victims of domestic violence? And the statistics, Michal, if I remember correctly, are about one. It's, it's about ten to one. Would it be as much as that? It does happen, obviously, but it's ten. The, the statistics would 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 indicate about ten to one. Mm-hmm. One is too many, obviously. But in general, you can't take from the fact, surely, of what women are experiencing, and particularly. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. In the wake of Sarah Everard, and, and I'll put it this way to you, I spoke with, with Holly on Friday. We had a good long conversation about mm-hmm. what she and her friend experienced last summer and what her mom has taught her to do when she's out and spoke yesterday with other women like that uh, who they are now as one woman as a mother is teaching her daughter you know what to do when she's out and she finds she finds it objectionable that she has to teach her daughter different things to her son because she just and they live in the country young mm-hmm. women and girls are simply a lot less safe on the streets of this or any city than young men? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was a victim. I was attacked myself okay. at one stage on the street, and it was in the, around the College Road area. Right. And so it happens. Men will tend to just beat the crap out of each other and try yeah. to rob each other or whatever, but I don't know... I haven't really heard of, I don't know whether you have, but I haven't really heard of, they say the, the gun is the main thing in America, but the knife is the main thing here. I haven't heard of many women being stabbed, but I've heard of loads of men being stabbed. Yeah, well, knife, we know that knife death. crime among young men is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And it's, so, and those attacks are man on man, they're man, they're man on man, and they're knife knife attacks, man on man. That's absolutely young young. The young number of youngsters walking around packing knives is scary, scary. It actually is, and it's getting worse, and it's spread now. It it started and it kind of started in the UK, but it seems to become more and more commonplace here as well. And I just think. This shouldn't just be a march about women being unsafe on the streets. It should be a march about everyone being unsafe on the streets yeah. at certain times. You yeah, know, we should like- maybe re- re- reclaim the streets for all of us. Um, thank you to Fergal. He's just got me some up-to-date figures uh, on... And in fact, I have to, I have to allude to, your, to what you said. Or um, I would have said one in ten... Um, and the, but those figures are old. Uh, the Guardian has a piece here on that many more men are victims of domestic violence that we know about, and in actual fact, it could well be as many as forty percent. But because of the fact, listen, I'm delighted to learn, and well, not delighted to learn, but you know what I mean. Happy to uh, mm-hmm. see the, the the reason it goes so unreported by men is that they feel even more shame than women in reporting that their partner has beaten them around the place. Yeah, because you're told, even from a young fellow, I don't know, you were probably told it, but most young fellows were told it, man up, you know, man up. 
Yeah. You know, put up whatever that's supposed and, to mean. By the way, I think the most stupid expression I've ever heard anyone. I know, use. It's a whatever it's supposed to mean, but it it still exists. Man up, man up. You know, uh, oh sure, if you can't stand up to your wife, like or your partner, oh there there must be something wrong with you. Like you're not a proper man. You know, so men suffer just as much as women, but it's not highlighted and. I'm very grateful for your conversation this morning because I think it's it's important to highlight it. Well, I'm very glad that you called because it's prompted one or two other comments. Uh, thanks so much for that man for calling. He spoke about what men are feeling but afraid to speak about as they'd considered foolish. It may not be happening to as many men as women, but thank you for highlighting it, which, Anthony, I'm indebted to you for this. Chris says, we understand Anthony's points, but even getting to the loo as a woman across a packed pub without being groped or harassed, is tricky for a woman not to mind walking the streets safely. Well, PJ, I'll just say one more thing. Mm. How come... Well, I'm in my 40s now, but when I was in my 20s and in my party days and my nightclub days, women had no problem whatsoever coming into the men's toilets. No problem whatsoever. But if a man went into the women's toilet, yeah. there'd be guards. I, well, I kind of remember those things happening in my own college days. Yeah, but they'd be half. Af- I'd be more afraid for the woman coming into the to- into the toilet about what she'd actually see in the men's toilets. We're not the t- we're not the tidiest when we're drinking it. Thanks a million, Anthony. Very very important call, and I'm so glad that you made it. And yeah, look, it is worth pointing it out. Uh, with regard to the danger on the streets, it is uh, the streets of Cork are very dangerous for young women and girls, without a shadow of a doubt. But there's also danger out there for men and boys, and we should acknowledge and, and agree with that. Uh, the streets are just dangerous, simple. You know you're Irish when the term Patty's Day gives you a facial tick. Yes, oh yes, and they'll be all over it tomorrow, Patty's Day. Please, lads, Paddy, if you must. Patty, leave it out. Preferably, it's just St. Patrick's Day or Patrick's Day. Paddy's Day we'll deal with, but you can hold on to Patty. A Patty is something that goes between two buns. You put in lettuce and sauce and a bit of an onion and cheese and you eat it. That's a Patty. 1857 Dan Butler, good morning. Smiling, PJ. How are you keeping? I'm all right. More to the point, my friend. How are you? I, I'm 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 good, PJ. Um, you know, good for all of them. How's the chemo going? No, I'm actually going up on Thursday, um, and I'm I'm getting a CAT scan and chemo on Thursday. Right, right. So I will know on Thursday after the CAT scan how things are faring. Right. So hopefully, but um, to be good news, you never know. Yeah, well, the doctors were very worried about you up to recently. Yeah, well, they are. They're, I said, they are. Like the, the the facts of the matter is that um, it's not a thing that um, it's you know you keep getting chemotherapy until you know that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you've decided that while you battle cancer, um, you're going to try and raise some money for charity. Yes, for the Mercy Hospital um, Foundation, the Cancer Appeal, yeah. Okay, so what are you doing? Well, I did. I, I decided, um, I, was, I was looking at the television there about a month ago, and it was about the, the man in England, the fellow that did the 
walking up and down his garden. He died. Captain Tom, yeah. Captain Tom. And I said, you know what? I do walk for the mercy. And I just said it to my wife and my daughter, who were here at the time, and I rang a few friends. And I said, you know, I walk kind of two kilometres a day. So I said, look, let's do it for the next 50 days, 100 kilometres. And uh, the proceeds go to the Mercy Hospital Foundation. And uh, so far, so good. As I said, no, people have been very generous and kind. And I've done a lot of ringing and asking for stuff. And, mm-hmm. and at the present time, um, we'll be probably doing a draft for them. And I'm, I'll be handing it over on Thursday. How much? Around 21,000. Ah, you're legend. Yeah. So it was, I know, I said that people were very kind, very generous and famous now. I, I got some, you know, it's a great response. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your doctor is Dr. Power. Dr. A, a, Power, yeah. a mighty man. Yeah, brilliant man. Mm. Now, he has a nice job because he had to, <laughs> he had to tell me uh, bad news, like with my family, like the, 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 it was on a Friday, he said to me, he said, bring the family in Monday morning. Mm. And uh, I knew then it wasn't pretty, it wasn't a pretty thing like, but so mm. you had to tell me like, and that was it. Yeah. And um, at the time, it was without without um, treatment, it was two months. I went to chemotherapy about seven months. Right. So and that was And that was when then? That was in the, say, just, say, the start of December. Right. Right, so this is four months later, four and three months. months later, actually. Time has gone too fast. It has gone way too fast. <laughs> but the thing is, I feel good, and um, I was the last time up now, uh, everything is fine. I'm, I'm able to take chemo. My, my, as they tell me, my platelets are good, the hemoglobin is good, mm. my white blood cell count is good, so maybe, you never know. What keeps you going, then? Look, you have to see it's you have to treat every day like a normal day. Like, I still work for the company Spirofeed that I work for, um, doing sales now. They've been very good. I do it from home, but like, I talk to a lot of people in the farming community over the day, and it passes the day, and then I go for a walk, and myself and the wife will go for a drive. Mm. There's enough hours in the day, actually, at the moment, you know. So, yeah, you read something interesting about resilience. Yes, a friend of mine, a friend of mine gave me a book he called there one day, very great gesture he called, and he gave me this book on resilience, and um, there was two two lines that stuck out for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm just, just, there was two lines in a page, and it was that, um, it says, don't give up because you're tired, keep going because you're almost there. I like that. I like if I'm out walking, and sometimes it's hard to get two kilometres, but um, I even think of going out doing it. But when you do it, you'll be sore, but it's a good soreness because you've achieved something. Yes. And you feel like, thanks to God I went out, because if I didn't, what would you be doing looking out the window? Yes. Yes. So it was a great, you know, like, as I said, now when people have been ringing me and giving me words of advice. And, and the other thing was that... Um, I met some great friends uh, while I was up there, and um, they're all in the same boat. Mm. There was Richie and um, Mick, Joe, Jim, and Zahir. Um, he's he's in Paris. He's in back in, in France now. But he, I, we text one another every now and again, mm-hmm. 
and he had he had he had a twenty four hour chemo yesterday, you know. Twenty four hours, yeah, wow. Poor old devil, but like we we know I mean when, like there are people worse off than I am, like, you know. Mm. And um I can walk, but some people they have different cancers and they can't walk and yeah. you know, it's it's very hard on them, like they can't go outside the door, so so, so what time will you head off today? I'm, I'm meeting a friend of mine. A lot of my friends come walk with me. They, they, they meet me, which is great because you know you meet people and you chat away. And because you know it's, it's fantastic because they take time off to walk me for an hour. Mm. And hopefully around half eleven. Right. But like the thing is, the, the reason I was doing it, you see, the main, the main reason is because, like the Mercy Hospital, Saint Teresa's Ward. Like, it's a frightening thing when you're told first, you know what I mean? Yes. And then you get your first dose of chemo, which I thought you would be going somewhere to get this magical thing, but you, know, you just you, you lie down in the bed and they come in and um, they're all gowned up with every kind of a thing you could think of mm. on them and gloves and everything, and, you, and they have this thing between them and they say, and you're saying, that's going into your body, like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like I said that to a friend the other day, I said, I said we've more we've we've more um, radioactive material in us than Chernobyl, you know. <laughs> you have a great sense of of, of you. Then there's you something like there's something that you want to do, and I read it, and I I got a lump in my throat reading it. There's something that you want to do. Oh, if you, right, if your time is limited, yeah. it's limited. But there's something that you desperately want to do, and what's that? That was well, no, hopefully. Uh, one of my favourite places, though, because I, I play golf and I played in Trilly Golf Club Barrow, but it's, it's my favourite place to go with, with, with my wife. And uh, we go off, go off on a Sunday down there and walk the beach. Mm, lovely beach. But like, what I want to do is get the whole family. I have five kids and, and they have seven grandchildren. I just like to have them all, everybody, my wife, down on the beach. And a beautiful summer day, hopefully, and you hear the kids running into the water and to the sea and all that and watch it, you know, it would be fantastic. That's what you want to do? That's my, that's my whole bucket list in one. Well, you know what, I really, really hope you get to do it. I will, I just, I will, don't worry. I'm, I'm sure you will, no better boy. I'd say once them, once them borders are open, once that travel is there, off you'll be. <laughs> if you have to get into it, if you have to hire a bus, off that's you'll right, be. That's right, we'll go. All right, Dan, good luck. Listen, Tw- thank you, PJ, and um, for, for listening to me, and I hope... I hope this will 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 um, encourage people to donate to the to the, to the fund. Um, okay. will I well, it's, di- it's still open. It's still open. Yeah, uh, if you ring, go go on to mercyfundraising.ie, or you can ring up and uh, talk. Ask them about right. Dan Butler's walk. Dan, 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 thank you, and you know, may may you have the best health you can for as long as you can have it. Great guy. That's Dan Butler. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Such a simple thing he wants. Wouldn't you give anything to make it happen for him? 1857 Back down to, to, to Mahan, to the community centre. Uh, Dennis, good morning. Hi, good morning. Peter. Dennis Coffey, my old buddy. How are you keeping? You, indeed. There is a big problem with the felling of trees. Now, the council have explained that this is, some of these trees needed to be felled anyway because they were very, very old. But you're not happy with that. No, no, definitely not. We're, we're living here in the peninsula and, you know, day by day we see it. House building, you know, we must go back a bit and I want I want to let your listeners know yourself. We have to go back a bit to go forward. They knocked the whole village here one time. 
to build Mahan. And, and that was okay, it was necessary. People needed homes and Ballinor Village was knocked down to the ground and nobody said a word. You know, and that was something that happened back then. Then we built Mahan Point and it was very welcome. Mm. But I remember speaking to the late Orno Callan at the time and they were talking about putting the rubble onto the line on the lands of Bisborough. And yeah. I said, you must be joking. That's not going to happen. You know, this is an history. We have animals, birds, foxes. And he pulled back and he says, oh yeah, as you said that now, I, I, I wasn't thinking that way. You know, and that was fine. But this Cork City Council have come along. This is the breeding season. They have taken down trees and shrubbery. Mm. That has been there since I was a child. And I'm not a young boy now. Recreation for people is to go out, have a bit of peace and quiet. And these environments are very essential for people and for, especially for animals during the breeding season. Yeah. To come along and do what they've done in the way they've done it wasn't right. It, had, it should have been done in a more sustainable way. Yeah. They say they that some it, of them were dead trees and at risk of falling anyway. Yes, remove them. But don't take away the whole habitat. If you go down there now, and excuse my expression, it's like Beirut. You know, it didn't happen right. It, it, it happened, they, they got off on the wrong footing. Look, we all welcome what they're doing. Like, there's nobody against this, PJ. Mm. You know, I had problems with the wind turbines a couple of years ago. I took them to court. I took them to Brussels. And I won the case. And Sean Kelly fought the case for me. I wasn't anti-wind turbine. I was anti the colour of them. I said they were white and they should be grey. We're a green country. I'd seen it in Sweden when I was out there. But, you know, all these things affect our environment. We're a very small country. I remember speaking to Michal Martin a couple of years ago about, about trees being taken down in Whitlow and places like that. We're too small of a country. We're paying a huge price for this. Because we need trees. We need the environment. Yeah. That line they are, I mean, place. to be fair, I keep coming back to the statement. They said that um, well, some of the trees they're removing were dead anyway and were probably dangerous. And they are planting a lot of new trees and hundreds and hundreds of saplings. Yeah, well, that's very welcome, but that'll take a long time. Where mm. do the animals go? When the animals move out, um, PJ, it's like cutting a dog's tail. They, they, they tend don't not come to back. come back. No, they don't. You right. know, and like, we, we are down here in the peninsula, and we, like, we have had an awful lot of building in the last couple of years. Bedsborough above there, a lot of their lands have been reclaimed for housing. There's houses going everywhere. Look, people have to live, and I understand that. But you must do it in a sustainable way. Okay. You can't get rid of habitat where animals live. It's their home. They need shelter. I mean, this is like taking the roof off your house. You're not protected. If you start taking away that that, that landscape, it's beautiful down there. I mean, yeah. say, I, I know it is, Grisha, didn't I? grow up in that part of the world, Dennis. I, a lot of people do have have uh, mixed feelings about obviously something being developed as a great amenity. It's wonderful. But then when you see lovely trees being pulled out of it, it's not so wonderful. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis Coffey uh, from Man, 1850-715-996. As I said, you, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, but, but Dennis is arguing maybe we could break less eggs or break different eggs. I, I, I see his point. You do see his point. Some breaking story there from the world of rugby. This is interesting. CJ Stander, the legend, uh, the two-legged truck that is CJ Stander, has announced his retirement from rugby at the end of the season. All rugby, Munster and Ireland. And I believe I'm seeing that he will return to his native South Africa. 
at the end of the season. Massive loss. You can't go on forever. Nobody can. But he's a man mountain. I've often seen four fellas just falling off of standard as he's going with the ball. And he's been a brilliant servant to Munster and a great servant to Ireland. He's just announced he's retiring at the end of the season. Um, thanks for the memories, CJ. 185715996. I spoke a couple of weeks ago to Joanne about her son, Bob. We were talking about it at the time the special schools and special classes going back or not going back and all the confusion about that. And and Joanne was effectively trying to keep the story from Bob um, because of, you know, his difficulty in processing it from day to day. Now he's gone back, I think, and, and, and all is good. But I think, Joanne, you're a little bit concerned that the whole lockdown thing might have had a permanent effect on him. Good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Thanks for, for having me on again. Delighted yeah, to do so. um, I suppose I would have seen a, a sort of a, a downturn in him uh, kind of the second week of January when it kind of really became obvious like that we were sort of in this for a very long haul again. And, you know, the anxiety started to creep up and repetitive behaviours and things like that. And uh, even though, like, he has returned full-time to school, thank God, and he's enjoying it and he's loving it, but, you know, there's a heightened level of anxiety around... It just actually, he's, he's seeing it, like, society in general, like, you know, going to shops, like, when are we going, what will be open, yeah. um, you know, his athletics and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, for him, you see the last year, and I don't know if people can really kind of grasp the the level of impact that the lockdown had on, on vulnerable people like Bob. Um, like he was literally under house arrest because he's not able to go out independently. Mm-hmm. So he had like obviously school, everything like athletics, the cinema, all of the things that he likes to do, his park runs, everything like that. Yeah. Switched out from underneath him. No hope of it returning. Yeah. Um, and even if you did give a date, you know, those dates were kind of quite fluid. Yeah. I can identify um, personally with a lot yeah. of what you're saying because I, my, my boy yeah. is so much missing. He, there's no words to describe how much he misses live music. Yeah. 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 And I know a lot of a lot of children and adults as well in that similar situation like that would have, you know, enjoyed the social aspects of their um you know, their their lives in groups in, you know, a bit of live music or mm. you know, meeting up in a group for yeah. athletics or whatever. And, and does he understand it, Joanne, when you have the conversation, look, Bob, it's to keep us all safe. Uh, in a limited way, because I think the the desire for it is so strong. Yeah. You know, and I think actually we're in all that, we're all in that situation. Like, I think the desire for contact and human contact yes. and interaction is overpowering at this stage. We like, are I all missing our friends. You know, we are yeah, all missing yeah. normality. How, what must it be like for lads like Bob? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's adults involved, you know, as well, who would have, um, you know, disabilities or, you know, maybe a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or something like that, who are, you know, in a very similar situation in that they are, they need those supports. 
you know, and they can't rationalise why, you know, they don't have them now. And I think we're so long into it at this stage that the, you know, it's having a, a, a deeper impact all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I meet people now, and I, I think I said this to you before, like, I, I, random people in the street, like, and they'd be holding back the tears. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, how, you know, this, this is surely evidence that something isn't, so there are needs out there, a vast chasm of needs that are not being met, that are going to have to be met at some stage. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's getting very, very hard, very, very hard for us all, and particularly for lads like Bob and and others like him, but it is getting extremely hard, and when you look then at at gobshites having parties and holding flippin' protests in the middle of all of this, and you're thinking, it's us you're putting in danger, not yourselves. Yeah, I really mean, like, there's, I suppose, like that, you know... People, I, I think people are desperate. I think they, you know, that need is out there and there's a whole, like for some people, it's a bit more, you know, on the extreme end of things. Yeah. But, you know, I think there is, in some level, there is a need to express that. There is, there is. Um, you know, and and um, because I think if we don't, you know, there is... <sighs> It's, it's too, at this stage, it's, it's, it's too much to bear. It's very hard. It's very hard. Yeah. I know that you're a bit worried about Bob and July provision. I'm going yeah. to, I promise, come back to July provision in more yeah. detail because I think I it's think a huge, because it's, it's this time of the year that people yeah. start thinking about it. It's, so we'll come yeah. back to it because I think it's a huge issue. But for yeah. now, the clock is on top of me. So will we talk again, Joanne? We will. We will, definitely. <laughs> Take care. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. I promise that we will come back to the issue of July provision because it's big every year and we've talked about it many years on the programme but I think in the year that we're in July provision is going to be an even more fraught situation as people try to organise it for their kids so we made a note in the diary and we will return to the issue of July provision uh, in the in the weeks to come because this is about the time of year that parents start to worry about what July provision will be there, if any at all. 1850-715-996, the text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696, email opinion at 96fm.ie. If you missed anything in our first couple of hours this morning, remember the podcast will be available in the early afternoon. goes up first on Twitter, where we tweet out the link, and then it goes to all your various platforms. Among them, of course, the Cork's 96FM app, which is where you can uh, pick up on it. On the trees, and Dennis, first of all, to the idiot who claimed that I cut Dennis off to talk about rugby uh, because the council told me to do so. Go back to bed. You're drunk. I finished talking to Dennis because I was finished talking to Dennis. The CJ Stander story is a huge sports story from a monster point of view and then I moved to my next topic of conversation so if you think the council was on the phone telling me to behave you probably put the wrong thing in your tea this morning whoever you are but Finn says that man is right they made a balls of the railway line I live in an estate that backs onto it it looks horrendous my cat is having a field day I presume that's because there's mice and rats what I don't understand is already it was a greenway should have just left it alone again their argument is that trees were going to fall down anyway and in fairness a lot of trees 
in that part of the world were pulled and dragged and destroyed by storm Ophelia and have still not recovered. So whenever you send in ecologists to do something like a greenway, you're going to end up with uh, that. A couple more comments on vaccines. I'll come back to them. You know you're Irish. Yeah, Mags has reminded us that you know you're Irish and you absolutely do. If when you were a youngster, this reminded you about maths or an essay or French that you didn't have done. That almost coincided on a Sunday night with, oh God, I didn't finish me maths. Without me even telling you what it is, you know you're Irish if you recognise what I was just talking about. And you also know you're Irish if you get it about fairy forts and fairy rings and fairy mounds and fairy trees. We also know, all of us I think, about a tree in the middle of a field or a ring or a circuit of stones in the middle of a meadow that is never touched and nobody would touch them for love nor money because they're fairy rings and fairy forts. And there's an interesting piece in the Irish Times about them. Some of them date back to 3000 BC. Now, we've lost a lot more of them under motorways. But what is it about the fairy forts and fairy rings that nobody will touch? Like, farmers won't touch them. You could bulldoze them. They'll, oh, God, they won't touch them. I remember in Blarney... As a youngster, there was a a big, big field of corn, beautiful field of corn, went on for miles and miles. In the middle of it was one tree, one big tree with a little ring around it. No one would go near it. You'd hardly even sit in it to eat your lunch if you were harvesting. Because that was a fairy ring and a fairy tree. Uh, Michael Holly is a research scholar into all of these things. Uh, Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. We have all we all know one of those places, don't we? This tree in the middle of a vast field that nobody will ever touch because there's a couple of rocks around it that we believe was put there by the fairies. What is the the history of all these things? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I suppose it goes back to folklore, really, PJ. Um, basically, there's a belief, or there was at least a belief held amongst most Irish people, country Irish people especially that certain places in the landscape uh, were the dwelling places of, we call them, I suppose, the fairies, but you might call them the the Sheed, S-I-D-H-E, which is kind of an Irish term for them, or uh, the other folk or the other people. But also, I suppose, in folklore, they're kind of, uh, it's referred to as the the place for the Tuatha Danann, who were the original mythical inhabitants of Ireland. They went to live there when they uh, lost a big battle against the Milesians' new arrivals yeah. back in, in, the, in the mists of mythology and time. Yeah. You did some research with one of the great storytellers, Eddie Lenehan. Eddie's got, from, from Brosna, Eddie has more fairy stories than the fairies themselves. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Eddie's from Brosna, not far from where I grew up myself, but he lives now uh, a long time in uh, Crusheen County, Clare, so... Yeah, a couple of years ago there, nineteen or 2019, I went and I spent a good few uh, days during that summer with him driving around, looking at trees and forts and all the rest. Um, so Eddie, yeah, he's a folklorist, but actually what he does, what he's been doing for about 40 years is traveling around, mostly around Clare and West Limerick, 
those kind of areas, South Galway, and uh, searching out people who had stories, you know, and he would go in and he'd sit down and chat to them and usually record the old stories, and uh, sometimes he'd write them up and do various things with them. So he has, like, this massive wealth of stories and knowledge about the landscape as well, taken from a lot of the the old people. So, yeah, Eddie, Eddie's a great resource. Does he still have the big beard? Oh, gosh, yeah. The beard is is getting longer, I think, by the year. <laughs> you could nest birds in that thing. Yeah, sure, you know, I'd say if he shaved, you, do, you wouldn't, you know, nobody'd recognize him ever, you know. He's <laughs> he's a real character, you know, and he's he's going strong, actually, and he has, like, I don't know, that he, he, his head isn't very big, but the amount of stories he's gotten there is unbelievable, you know. Yeah, yeah. But we do revere them, don't we? People, even, even in this modern world of technology and, I suppose, enlightenment, war betide the farmer who dig one up yeah that's right and I think that's part of the reason there's still so many especially ring forts uh, existing in, in the Irish countryside is because people were just generally afraid to touch them because uh, you know they were believed everybody believed that something terrible might happen to you if you did so same with the fairy trees and holy wells are another good example and various other places even roads Eddie was telling me there are certain roadways uh, in certain parts of Clare that people wouldn't kind of interfere with in any way for the same reason. Mm. And But there's also kind of a law, uh, you know, an aspect of the law that protects them as well. Oh. So, you know, the National Monuments Act uh, protects them from a legal point of view. So if, you, if you're a farmer and you have a, a ring fort on your land, you have to give them a, a few months' notice before you do any work around it, you know. And so... They have to then consult archaeologists and all the rest and make sure that, you know, we're not going to lose any valuable archaeological evidence here, you know. So it's pr- they're protected fr- fr- from a folkloric and kind of a, a lower point of view, but also from a legal point of view, which is a very good thing, I think. Mm. You, you say, that obviously, the tour of and it was all legendary, I suppose, myth and, the myth and legend of Irish history, but somebody actually had to build them. Some physical being had to actually build them. So other than the folklore and, and, and the history and that, do we know who actually built them? Well, we, we kind of, we do, more or less. They were basically farmsteads. They were, they were enclosures where uh, houses and uh, uh, farm animals would have been enclosed, basically to protect them. So, you know, you might be familiar in the countryside around, let's say, Cork. You'll often see uh, a farmhouse with um, outbuildings kind of built in a, not necessarily a circle, but maybe a rectangle around the yard. And it was essentially a similar thing. It was a way of keeping the animals safe uh, in the winter and at night, and it was it was where people lived effectively. So, bigger ring forts uh, would have been for more prominent families, and smaller ring forts would have been for kind of more salt of the earth families, I suppose. Normal normal farmers. So they were just a, uh, I suppose, a regular part of uh, life in in the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. And I think I think there's a, some people look at the the whole fairy story connection to them and, and they scoff and they sneer. I don't know, I think there's something very nice about it. Plus, you also hear the story of the farmer who demolished the fairy fort and his crops failed for the next five years. Oh yeah, there's plenty of those stories, PJ. Uh, and, you know, I heard a lot of them from Eddie as well. But one really interesting one was um, we found a fort there up between Gort and Crusheen on the M18 motorway. Uh, and it's called Carton Fort, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it, we found it by looking on Google, and we discovered that the motorway actually had chopped the thing in half. So Eddie had heard, Eddie Lenehan had heard about this in the past uh, from a local man, you know. And 
who's given out about it saying, look, there's going to be trouble there because that fort was interfered with. And uh, sure enough, you know, that stretch of the motorway, there was a lot of old accidents happening on it since then, you know. And so we did a bit of research around that and discovered that, you know, there was a lot of accidents in that, in, in, in that uh, particular area near the, near the fort, but the, um, there was an engineer's report that even carried out about it, and it was discovered that there's some, some kind of a microclimate up there, so they get these freak hailstorms coming in <laughs> off the Atlantic, and that's causing people to, to spin off the road up there, you know. Wow. So, I mean, that's just one example, but actually, you know, you talk to any farmer who has a fort on their land, and they'll probably be able to tell you a story about, uh, you know, why the fort is there and maybe somebody in the family had interfered with some mm. some part of it and some terrible thing befell them. I remember up around Kilkenny Way, there was a, a massive field of... I spent a lot of time in Kilkenny as a kid. There was a massive field of corn. I mean, this place was enormous. But the guy who would come out to harvest it, he was from a neighbouring town and he had a fairy fort on his land. But he was terrified of the fort in the middle of this field of corn, so terrified that he wouldn't even sit on it to eat his lunch. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of fairly typical. And I, I wouldn't put that down to pure kind of ignorant superstition either. There's a lot to be said about um, a kind of a respect for these places in the landscape because, mm. you know, they do have, I suppose, archaeological value and, you know, they're... They say a lot about our past, and you know it's a great thing that we have them. It's, I think it's. I would, we're talking today about things that you know you're Irish. You know you're Irish if you respect that. Yeah, certainly. You know, and there's, I, I think there's a lot to be said about the stories and and the folklore that goes with them as well. Yeah. And we can't write it off. You know, um, it's there for a reason, and it's a very important part of our identity, I suppose, as Irish people. You know, indeed it is. Indeed it is. It's the things that makes uniquely who we are. Thanks very much, Michael Holly, uh, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. There must be stuff around that I haven't seen. I've seen loads of them around Cork City and County, but there must be one in your area that nobody will touch. And you know this modern enlightened world, we go, go away on that now, you're a, you're a mythic legend. Well, it's something uniquely Irish about us that most of us wouldn't touch one. Wouldn't touch one. And I think it's lovely. I really do. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Six to nine AM on Corks ninety six FM. Daniela, dog mom or cat mom? I'm a dog mom. I have three French bulldogs. Wow, like Lady wow. Gaga. Yes. Yeah. Did you yeah. only get them like? Do you mind me asking how much would you pay for a puppy for one of them? Oh, anything between two and a half friends to five and a half. Wow, wow. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open twenty four seven. Courts ninety six FM. This is Courts. Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Quartz 96 FM. I think this will be a very quick call from Aiden. Aiden, good morning. How are you doing, PJ? All right. You got a rate spill. I thought there was no rate spills going out. Um, no, I was just on to the lady in. in um 
in, in the rates office and uh, she said they're just sent out by default. Now, she said it, they're exempt for the, for the first quarter of the year. They're going to be exempt and they're just playing it by year from the government to see about the second quarter. Now, because you have a little IT business down in town. I know you're, you're open, obviously, as an essential service, but, I mean, trying to keep rates going must be, must be hard out. Oh, I, I couldn't sleep over it last night. I just, uh, you know, I, I know it's just an automatic thing then, the way letters go out nowadays, but it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just trying to, uh, trying to gather... How much were they looking for? Or how much did you think they were looking for? Oh, no, it's just a normal rate um, per month, um, which is um, uh, 500 a month for a, a premises, this, a small premises this size, mm. which, it, it, which, isn't, which is very good compared to any, 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 any premises on, on pa- Patrick Street. I, I shudder to think what they're paying rates. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, it's, but it's just, it's just crazy. You know yourself, the, there's, there's just literally nobody on the streets. Yeah, yeah, and whatever bit of business is is really only sort of word of mouth and people getting in and passing and seeing that they want to get their phone fixed. But at least that's a new development when we were talking to you. So you have been on to City Hall and certainly it's it's way... But will you have to pay it down the line? Do you know? Um, no, no, no. In fairness to them now, it was exempt for the second half of last year. I think it, the, the second half of last year... Uh, oh, my memory isn't great, PJ. Um, but uh, it was definitely exempt for the second half of last year right. and hopefully it'll be for the first half of this year and okay. uh, hopefully we'll be all okay. vaccinated by the summer, please God. Well, you might be able to sleep then tonight because I know you didn't last night, Aidan. Thanks very much, Aidan Connolly, a fabulous IT repair shop there on Oliver Plunkett Street. Great guy. And got a rates bill and didn't sleep last night. Um, for the ra- and he sent, me, he sent me a copy of the rates bill. Thanks, Aidan. sent me a copy of the rates bill. Yeah, How do you raise... So it turns out now that they are exempt for the first quarter of the year. They're just sent out by the computer. My fear would be, and I'm only putting it out there, I don't want to be a harbinger of doom, I don't want to be bashing the council, because if the council are definitely waving it, then that's brilliant. That's great. I just want to be sure like that you won't sort of say, you know that um, you know them rates that we waved there um, last year? Yeah, we kind of want them now. We hope that won't happen down the road. 1850-715-996. We're being asked uh, not to do anything tomorrow for St. Patrick's Day. Just to stay at home, enjoy the nice weather out the back garden if we've got one. Go for a walk in your 5K. Just, you know, behave yourself. And hopefully by this time next year, it'll all be grand. And we'll all be vaccinated and everything will be fine. We hope by this time next year. But for now, they're all asking us. Roland Glynn was asking us and Philip Nolan was asking us and other people just listen let's don't be going around having gatherings don't be having parties because this particular variant of the virus that is currently dominating all the caseload in the country all it takes is a sniff and it'll fly through the house that's the problem all it takes is a sniff of an opportunity and it's through us like wildfire and they don't want it. So before 12, I've got a great recommendation for a television show that you can while away a few hours with uh, tomorrow evening uh, when Paddy's, uh, Paddy's night is a bit dull otherwise. But I want to go to something that I mentioned earlier this morning and we will come back to it on Thursday. And that is a planned Reclaim the Streets march. Now it comes on the back of the desperate story of Sarah Everard, that awful tragedy and that's still ongoing, of course, in the UK. A guy called Wayne Cousins, who's a serving policeman, has been um, 
arrested and charged, I believe, at this point, with her kidnap and, and her murder. And, of course, all the other stories that came, that people felt, I think, empowered to come forward with over the last couple of weeks. Women felt empowered to come forward and just explain to us that the streets are not safe for them and they don't feel safe on the streets of Cork anywhere else they just don't feel safe going around carrying your bunch of keys sticking out from your hand or hyper vigilant or checking on all corners things that as a man I say that I've never had to do and I hope I never would have to do and well yeah we took a call from Anthony earlier on this morning saying listen let's not let's not be anyway there is a protest planned for Thursday at four o'clock. It's called a Reclaim the Streets protest set to take place to call for an end to gender-based violence. Four o'clock on the Grand Parade. Similar events planned for Dublin, Limerick, Galway and Belfast, organised by ROSA, which is an, an association for reproductive rights against oppression, sexism and austerity. Uh, Ruth Coppinger, the former TD, said yesterday that protests like this should be deemed essential protests and should be allowed to go ahead. Now, under Level 5, they are not allowed uh, to go ahead. Mary Crillies with the Cork Sexual Violence Centre. You can understand, Mary, why people want to sort of protest in the wake of the horrific Sarah Everard story. But will you be going to this one? I can totally understand. I can totally understand. I mean, I'd love to protest myself and I was asked to speak at it, but I won't be speaking at it and I won't be there. I mean, I just asked to, to postpone it because you know, I think I could kind of say, as you know, 80% of people or women are raped by somebody who they know. There's very few rapes, stranger rapes on the street, but still women as a rule and as a way of life have to watch where they're walking. Phone people kind of say, I'm on my way home. Um, I know my own daughters years ago used to kind of say, I'm at such a place so we could track kind of where they were going, uh, which, as you say, men don't have to do. So I totally get it. I totally understand the fear. But I still think we're in the middle of COVID, we're in the middle of pandemic, um, and I just asked them to postpone it. I know I am already getting a bit of a backlash about it as if I'm letting people down, uh, but I just feel I'm being responsible. And, you know, I will do social media on it. We will campaign on it. In a few months' time, it still won't have been gone away because women will still feel unsafe. So I'm just saying, hang on there, just postpone it for a while. Mm. The outpouring of stories to come into us, and I, 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 many things have changed over the last number of years, Mary. I think if the Sarah Everard story had happened five years ago, I don't think we'd have had the outpouring of experience that has come out on social media and on this program. Certainly, I've been really blown away by the by kind of calls and messages we've been getting that people feel it's time to speak up. The streets are dangerous. They're too dangerous. And we need to try to make them safer. And, you know, us men, as it were, must try to help women to be safer on the streets. That that's kind of our job. But you're... It's, it's, such, a, it's such a hard time to be dealing with this. I think it is. I think there's a lot going on for people and there is a lot of fear and there is a lot of frustration for people that they can't even go out on the streets or they can't even walk or they can't go out to 5K. Never that people are feeling very angry right now and very lost and very frustrated 
but really it's the time to hold your ground and look at the realities and kind of work on kind of how can we make changes? How can we make the streets safer? How can we talk to men about men who are like walking home, not bothering anybody, but don't realize that maybe the woman in front of them is feeling very anxious because they're walking behind them. We can kind of strategize, we can talk about it, we can plan and then do something about it, and then make changes. It's a bit like, I can say the streets are quite safe for women in comparison, in comparison to being raped by somebody who you know. Mm-hmm. The fear of it is, is more, is enough. Whether somebody gets attacked or not, the fear of it, every time they're walking home, every time they're going somewhere alone, every time they feel guilty about it, every time they have keys in their hands, every time they hear a noise because they're trained to kind of believe you're in danger and if something happens to you, it's your fault. And that's where we're going back to. So I think it is a great time to organise and to organise online and on social media and get together and strategise instead of just one meeting which... Um, might have a crowd or might not have a crowd and then that's the end of it and you don't make changes that way you have to keep as you know mm. chipping away and chipping away and you know dealing with that kind of way and supporting all the women who rang you and who have the freedom to talk I think that's what your programme has done and programmes have done over the years have given people a voice they've given them the freedom to be able to ring in and talk which they didn't have five years ago mm. My, What impressed me well impressed I, I found upsetting to hear Holly's experience on Friday in particular and and she said to me like even a simple thing like I'm out for my own walk of an evening I might have the dog or I might not but I'm out for my own walk of an evening and the very fact that a a young woman is or or a woman of any age is 20-30 yards ahead of me on the road the sound of my footstep might cause her to be fearful I took that that hit me like like a kick in the chest and that's what I mean, you're not even aware of it. Or it could be maybe you stopped it because the dog stopped. Then she she hears the footsteps slowing down or then maybe moving faster and the fear is there all the time. What's going on? And women are afraid to kind of look back. So I think all the men can kind of um, stand up and say, look, you know, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to harm you. And look at different ways of being and behaving on the streets. You know yourself, um, you know, you have a gang guys kind of bothering people or on the streets and other gang guys are just walking, taking over the whole street but not bothering anybody but don't realise how intimidating they are. So it's just a matter of kind of awareness, I think, about our behaviour on the streets and how we are and how we be. Okay. Mary, we will talk again. And thank you okay. very thank you very much for your time. As always, Mary Quilly from the Cork Sexual Violence Centre. It's an issue that's not going to go away, but you heard Mary Quilly now say she will not be attending on Thursday. She was asked to speak at it. And she effectively is saying, lads, would you not postpone it? Not the time or place. You can understand why people want to do it, but not the time or the place. 1850 715996. Lads, if Mary Crilly says, this is not one to be going to, this is not one to be going to. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. The Cork man who will perform tomorrow morning for millions of Americans on St. Patrick's Day. Plus all your favourite tunes and me to keep you company if you're at work or nipping out in the car. See you from midday on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. 
Our friend Andrew Carroll was on to tell us that he's having another one of his The Only Way is 80s nights uh, in aid of Adele House and the homeless help and support. He's behind the decks again tonight. This is These were great gigs. These were really great gigs. Um, Andrew, one of the best house DJs in the business. I mean, there was no one better to put house music together than, than Andrew. He was up there with, with the Greg and Shanes of this world. But he turned his attention to 80s recently. It has a massive, massive 80s music. I mean, and I say someone who DJed in the 80s, he has a massive music collection from the 1980s. Does some great nights for uh, Idel House and, and Homeless Help and Support. He's got another one tonight on Facebook between 8 and 10. Uh, if you want to donate there and all the information how you do it will be there when he's live. I don't know how he's getting away with it because Facebook will shut people down right, left and centre for playing other artists' tunes, but at least Andrew seems to be seems to be getting away with it. Uh, maybe it's because he's doing it for charity. But they're great. The tunes are deadly. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on another one that on the ferry forts. Called said I was building a house. There was a Fionon Fichre, a feeding ground for the little folk at the back of the property. We had to show the planning office that the building would be more than so many meters away from it. Very similar to Ferry Force. I remember ever seeing one little Fionan Fiacre. Tiny little place, but that's where they came to eat. And you wouldn't go near, oh God, you wouldn't go near it. Oh my God, you wouldn't go near a Fionan Fiacre. And great to hear, says Andrew, about the ring forts. It's our history. And those who scoff at them have no problem going on about Stonehenge or the pyramids. The usual Irish hypocrisy of our own. And as far as that fellow who rang in saying that you cut one collar short to speak about CJ Standard, they clearly haven't got a clue. 1850 Now, I want to talk to Noel, because Noel contacted us uh, in the last week or two to kind of ask a few questions with regard to why we are still in lockdown when there are maybe other ways to deal with COVID-19. And before I take Noel's call... Um, the reason that we're having you on, Noel, is I know you a bit and I know you're not a crazy um, tinfoil hatter or a conspiracy theorist. I know that your your, your basis is in research and, and you're asked, you want to ask some questions, not go on with some kind of crazy conspiracy theories. And that's, that's why we're having this, this conversation. Good morning to you. Top of the morning, PJ. Long time. It has indeed, sir. I want to talk about ivervectin, which is what you want to talk to. But I want to. You think that there are other ways to approach COVID rather than lockdown? Well, I'm I'm currently looking at the CSO CSO website and the number of deaths, and they've just released the, the latest figures for the third quarter of 2020. And the number of deaths in 2020 was 7,111 compared to the third quarter of 2019, where it was 7,358. Yeah. So there were more deaths in 2019 than there were in 2020. But we weren't in the middle of a wave then. I think think when they compared the first quarter of this year to the first quarter of last year, there will be a difference. That CSO argument has been made and made again. Well, I'm looking at the CSO website as I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there are less deaths in 2020 than there were in 2019. In a quarter where we didn't have a wave. So I mean, listen. Let's get straight to the point. Yeah, 
I have a sister-in-law in Santa Cruz de la Sierra in Bolivia. I was there December 2019. She called me literally a year ago to tell me they were looking at a drug called ivermectina, as you say in Spanish. So they have a drug called ivermectin. It's off patent. It's cheap as chips. Mm. And it's been, it's been used around the world now at this point. It's, it's, it's an animal drug, is what it is. It, yeah. Yes, it's a veterinarian drug. It's for parasites. Mm. And it's, it's being used now around the world. It's being used in Brazil. It's being used in Bolivia. It's being used in Afghanistan, Pakistan. I mean, and there's no... One GP mentioned it last week here in Ireland. That was it. No yeah. talk about it otherwise. Well, did a bit of looking into it, Noel. Um, and... Fergal has spent many hours looking into this. And yes, you're correct. It, it is being recommended in Brazil. It's being used as a treatment. Now, the Brazilian healthcare system is, is in meltdown. Um, and it, it does seem to have an effect, but it's not strong enough to cure. Maybe as part of a combination therapy, it it's can help. It's part of a combination therapy, yes. Yeah. It's being used... There's a doctor in Australia... Like there, there is a myth out there, don't, Nolan. This is why I, I wanted to, to, to be very clear. There is a myth out there that if you give out ivermectin to everybody, no one will ever again die of COVID-19. That's just nonsense. Well, we, we, we can't determine that as, as, a, as a... You know, we can't determine whether or not that's true. We're too early. Listen, this thing is only around a year, year and a half. There's a doctor in Australia... And when I say a doctor, he runs a hospital in Sydney, Australia. Dr. Barodi, B-O-R-O-D-Y. You can mm-hmm. fact check everything I say. And he's been using ivermectin with zinc. Zinc is very important. It is. It helps zinc, get. vitamin D, other things, yeah. Yeah, with a, an off-patent antibiotic. He's been using it since last May. And he has almost 100% success rate in treating COVID-19. And his patients are in there, the hospital, on average five, in five days. Yeah. So why isn't it being used in Ireland? Why isn't it being promoted in Ireland? Or yeah. For the rest of Europe, for that matter. I'm looking what? at a, a piece of research from uh, IS Global, of which you, you may have heard. Uh, and they say that there is very limited evidence about the safety of ivermectin at higher doses and even less evidence for its safety when used in COVID-19 patients with severe inflammation, which we know is a huge problem with severe COVID. That I think that's that's total nonsense every doctor in Ireland or the Western Hemisphere for that matter should go to covid19criticalcare.com where all the scientific evidence is laid out for everybody to see you you will find no matter where you go someone who is saying that this this is the miracle there are clinical trials ongoing, admittedly, yes, but they're not proving, they're not coming up with wonder drug status, which is what some people seem to think. Well, but PJ, they can't perform proper clinical trials in the middle of a pandemic. They can't do it. Because if you perform a clinical trial in the middle of a pandemic, you're literally sentencing some people to death. So they can't do it. So, so do you want have, to take a chance on it then? They have proven... Um, how would you call it? There's, there are doctors in the United States that are using what's called a MAC plus protocol. And they've proven that they've, they've, some doctors have 100% success rate treat, treating COVID-19. 100%. But not purely with ivermectin. Ivermectin with zinc and an off-patent antibiotic. What's yes. the off-patent antibiotic called? 
Uh, I don't remember it offhand now. It's like Cloxycline or something like that. I, it, yeah, Doxycycline, maybe? That's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And they're also using, and you, God forbid you say this, they're also Doxycycline is a kind of, Doxycycline is very commonly given out for acne. Yeah, but, but, but as I said, God forbid you say this, they're also using vitamin C. D. Vitamin C. Right. Ascorbic acid. Yeah. That's, that's the M-A-T-H plus. A is for ascorbic acid. Yeah, yeah. Now, again, reading some of the research on, on ivermectin, like, you'd need higher doses than normal to have an effect. And they're not happy with the safety of doing that. But what they do know is that they have, it has been proven and they have this been proven to inhibit the growth of a number of viruses similar to COVID, including, for example, Zika, yellow fever, dengue. So so it does have a, a response with regard to some, what looks like here to be, Noel, something that may work. We can't be sure if it will work. And the research isn't there to, because remember, we have very high standards in, in Europe and Ireland. Uh, we, to, to put it out there, would it be safe? To, like, I, I put it out there to listeners. Ivermectin, it's an animal drug. Would you take it uh, to, to cure COVID-19? Yeah, you, you see, you're referring to it as an animal drug. It, it, the, the reason why ivermectin works is because it, 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 it deals with the pathway of the virus where the virus is similar to malaria. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it, 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 has a, it has an effect, but it's, it's, it's coincidental. It wasn't designed to, but it does, it has an effect, and we see that from the, from the research. It does affect the, what they call the RNA type of a virus, which is what COVID is, absolutely. It's been proven in dengue, Zika, to have an effect. Yeah, but more specifically... This virus gets into your body through the same pathway as malaria does, which mm. is a parasite. And this this yeah. drug is an anti-parasitic drug. Mm. So it, it deals with the virus in the same way okay. as it would with uh, And malaria. you reckon we should look into it more? Not just look into it. We should be prescribing it. I mean, it's the same situation with hydroxychloroquine, which was, you know, attacked left, right... Well, we know that can be highly dangerous. We know that can have cardiac no. effects. We, well, we, yeah, we, we, we know... It's been used for 70 years by people with lupus and other uh, conditions. It's been used for 70 years. It mm. was approved by the WHO as being totally safe for... Not entirely sure on the WHO. I don't think they ever recommended it as a treatment for COVID. I'm going to leave it there, Noel. I... I wanted to give you the opportunity. I'm up against it for two things to finish. Thank you very much. I'm not cutting you off for any reason other than time. I appreciate your input. And like I said, you're not a tinfoil lunatic, which is why I'm happy to have you on. Ivermectin, look, the research is out there. Pages and pages and reams and reams of it. Reams and reams of it. Just not convinced. Not convinced. 1850-715-996. Few reactions coming in and we shall see what people... Where am I going yet? Oh yes, there is a search on for Paddy's. And of course, on the eve of Paddy's Day, why not search for Cork's Paddy Irishman? Paddy Irishman in general. It's the brainchild of photographer and filmmaker Ross O'Callaghan. Ross, good morning to you. Hiya PJ, how are you doing? Good. Now, PJ, I was christened Patrick Joseph. Do I qualify as one of your Paddy's? You do, PJ, you do. We're in the search of Patrick's past. Anyone in relation to Paddy's is who we're chasing. That's who we're after. What's this about? 
Uh, basically, it's a it's a thing I've been kicking around for a long time. I'm obviously a, a, a cameraman and scene photographer, um, but I'm also someone who's travelled extensively over the last 20 years and have been related to as a paddy any time I'm abroad. And I suppose I just wanted to create a project that uh, basically put together as many paddies and proved that uh, we're not all uh, the stereotypical paddies that we that we all get known for around the world. They come in all shapes and sizes. All shapes and sizes and all age groups, and that's the most important thing. I suppose the easiest thing when you're doing something like this is you'd uh, you'd always go for our well-known paddies that people know already. But I'm in search for every you know every paddy from all over, and every every paddy has a story. And I suppose you know they say a picture paints a thousand words. With a few words and a picture, I think we can uh, show the world that there's a, a a very diverse type of paddy out there. So who are you looking for? Every kind of paddy from six look- to sixty. Yes, exactly. I had a paddy. There was a there was a someone who contacted us only last night with a paddy who's only a week old. Um, but I've also had paddies who are eighty six, eighty seven years of age who are farming down the country. You know, so every paddy is there. We're cre- we're creating a database, and then I'm going to get busy now next week and going to go start traveling the, the the length and breadth of the country, uh, photographing all of them. So it'll be a fo- will it be a photograph or a video promotion. No, it's a photograph. The idea is is that we're going to hopefully get an exhibition in New York uh, on Paddy's Day 2022 and hopefully bring the world uh, a, a lovely collection of paddies from around Ireland. So how does someone get involved? Basically, all they have to do is they email Ross at paddyirishmanproject.com or uh, Paddy Irishman Project on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and they'll find out a lot more about the project and what we're hoping to do with it. Ross at paddyirishman.com. That's the one. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't mind taking part in that. Well, I'll be down, Peter. Because my dad was Paddy. Well, then, there you go. Do you know what? I had another contact there today that there was a, a fella contacted me, Paddy Murray, whose father is Paddy, but his best friend is Paddy, and they ha- his father's Paddy, and they all happen to be best friends. You'll have more Paddies than you can deal with. You know that, won't you? I'm, 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 I'm ready to go for a while on this, and we're going to keep going and keep telling the story. I think it's a really interesting project, and... Just because it's tied under the name Paddy, I think it is going to give a massive picture about, you know, the history of Ireland and right. Irish men. Sounds like a bit of fun, and uh, the line isn't the best, but thank you for that. Ross O'Callaghan, uh, Paddy, uh, Ross at PaddyIrishman.com if you want to be part of a photographic project, which will hopefully go on, on exhibition in New York in Patrick's Day 2022. Ross at PaddyIrishman.com. I'm going to get into that. Don't kid yourself. There'll be no cure for COVID. We had the flu for how long? We do have Tammy flu, but it's not great. It really only works in the early stages. And that seems like there's a lot of people out there trying to hard sell ivermectin as a, a, a wonder drug. It isn't. It may have some effect and they're using it in some parts of the world as a combination of other things. But the research, this anyone trying to sell you ivermectin as a miracle cure is a quack, basically. 1850, and now in fairness, Noel wasn't trying to do that. He said he should at least be looking at it and maybe even taking it, which is a matter of opinion. 1850 Before I go, a couple of things. First of all, great television show. Myself and Queen Bee watched the first episode of it last night. It's on the Virgin Media Player, or they're showing it week to week. It's called The Drowning. It's about a woman whose son, we are told, died in a drowning accident. But nine years later, she sees him 
and she thinks he's living under another identity. And she sets out to prove that he is, in fact, alive and well and living with somebody else. A lot of it was filmed in Dublin and Wicklow. It's very good. We watched the first episode of it last night. I wish there wasn't so many ads on the Virgin Media player, but that's that's how it is. All the And for tomorrow night, once the sun goes down on Patrick's Day and you've had your little small bit of a, a day out in the garden, get in and watch. I would highly recommend The Drowning on the Virgin Media Player. 1857 It's going to play out today with something that the lads had this morning on uh, the, the breakfast show. Um, it's, I think this is one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. It's because it's Cheltenham Week, Ross and KC put together the COVID Gold Cup horse race. And I think we won't be here tomorrow as we wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. Make the best of small things have a good day. We'll see you on Thursday morning just after nine and play out with this. The COVID Gold Cup horse race from Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96 FM. We're edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Enjoy the day tomorrow. See you Thursday. COVID-19 Derby. In stall number one, local enterprise is being ridden by Mihal Martin. Number two is lockdown. Number three is anti-vaxxer. Number four is guard a checkpoint. Number five, Pfizer vaccine. Number six, educated people. Number seven, gasping for gat. And number eight, conspiracy nut. The horses are ready. And they're off. Got a checkpoint, followed by educated people. Gasping for God is on the move. Anti-vaxxer is closing the distance on educated people. Educated people are trying to get as far away as possible from anti-vaxxer. Lockdown is taking longer than expected. Got a checkpoint is trying to catch everyone. There's no end in sight for lockdown. Conspiracy nut is running in the other direction because they believe there's microchips in the feed. Local enterprise has fallen. Local enterprise is down. And Michal Martin has just turned his back on local enterprise and is walking away. Pfizer vaccine is making things hard for everyone. Lockdown and gasping for gutter, battling it out in front. Anti-vaxxer has just got equine influenza and is out of the running. Pfizer vaccine is gaining length, but it's gasping for gut. Gasping for gut. Gasping for gut has broken through and passed lockdown. Gasping for gut. Lockdown. Pfizer vaccine following it by educated people. What a race. What a run. Oh, that's brilliant. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.